Right, hello and welcome. I'm Christopher Scott. I'm the author of the book on Common Sense. I've talked about the importance of Common Sense by Thomas Paine many times before. Today what I want to talk about, and actually what this series is about, is comparing Common Sense when it was originally written and discussing how that's relevant today. This is part one of a series. And today I'm going to go a little deeper into the subject. I'm going to add some details. I'm going to compare it to the events that we see going on today. The basic question that I'm discussing right now, that I'm discussing today, is why is Common Sense by Thomas Paine still important? It was written over 200 years ago, and it was written to address the issue of independence from Britain. Why would that still be important in American government and politics today? Why would it have any relevance at all? Thomas Paine wrote Common Sense before we were even a country. At its core, it was a call for independence from Britain, but it was also a book about freedom, and it was also a book about the proper construction of government. Now, all that's a, a philosophical debate, and because of that, not everybody's going to understand or agree with it, but it's going to expose some of the underlying problems that we see going on in politics today. And to understand the relevance of common sense, it's critical to understand why it was important in the first place. So what I'm going to be sharing with you today is from the book Common Sense by Thomas Paine. If you ever tried to read it, you know that it was written in Old English. It's nearly impossible to understand. It's practically another language. And because of that, I'm going to be reading from the translated version, rewritten in modern English. If you want to fully understand Common Sense by Thomas Paine, the modern English version is by far the best way to read it. If you're interested in that full text, it's available in ebook or print, or if you prefer, you can even get it uh, from Audible on audiobook format. I'll put the link to that in the show notes below. Now, there's endless reasons why common sense is still important today. You could probably write in, 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 in volumes on that, but I want to focus on three main reasons. The first is the issue of division, because the country was very divided when it was written, and that was a big part of why it was written. The second issue was strength of character, the character of the people involved at that time. And the third was the use of logic and reason. So that's the three things I'm going to go over today. The issue of division, something that we see going on today. The strength of character, the character of individuals, and the use of logic and reason as a means to peaceful conflict resolution. The country was extremely divided when common sense was written. Was the, I guess in the same way that it's divided now, it actually was a lot worse. There was a war going on. What Thomas Paine did at the very beginning of the book, what he started off doing, and he did it throughout the book, but he especially did it right from the start. He validated the other side. In other words, Thomas Paine recognized that his fellow countrymen, despite whatever differences they had, that they weren't his enemy, that he needed to bring unity. And the second issue, and he did this through his strength of character, you know, there's, a, there's an old saying, evil prevails when good men do nothing. This is as true today as it ever was. Evil prevails when good men do nothing. This is the reason that why action is important. And Thomas Paine demonstrated strong character and a willingness to act on it. Using, the third point, logic and reason, he used that as a path to peaceful conflict resolution. When Common Sense was originally written, the Revolutionary War was well underway. The argument was for peace, though. It wasn't for war. This is an important reminder today. Peaceful conflict resolution using logic and reason. In, 19, in, 19, in 1776, the situation in the colonies was pretty bad. 
It was really bad, actually. Things didn't look good. At the time that Common Sense was published, the colonies were engaged in an all-out nasty war with England. Norfolk, Virginia had been completely burned to the ground. Boston was under siege by British troops. New York City was occupied by British troops. There was restrictions on on travel and waterways were closed, which was an essential method of, of travel at that time. Churches and buildings were being demolished so that they could use the wood for firewood. Political opponents were being rounded up and arrested by British troops. Sometimes they were even quartered in the houses of other colonists. It was kind of a crazy time. Young men were being drafted, taken away from farms so that they could fight in the Continental Army. There was basically fighting of some kind going on in nearly every colony. It was a brutal, chaotic situation. The Moravians were down in Salem, North Carolina. They described the situation as alarm and confusion. Some of the opposition that that the proponents of independence faced was from within. You had people from within, colonists that were fighting with them, meaning that there were colonists that sided with Britain. They played the role of spies. Some of them were actually engaging in fighting. This led to arrests of Americans because of their political beliefs. Not everybody was fighting. Some people were disinterested in the matter. Sam Adams reported from Philadelphia that there was little enthusiasm for a fight with Britain. They couldn't get young men to serve in the Continental Army. George Washington complained several times about enlistment problems. It was so bad and that there was so much division going on that the governor of North Carolina even asked the King of England to intervene. He wanted the British troops to come and put down the rebellion in his state. Then there were there was areas that were populated by the Quakers, and this posed another problem. The Quakers felt that war was a violation of their religious beliefs, and all through the colonies there was this division of one kind or another. There was certainly pockets of fierce resistance, but there were a lot of people who were siding with and assisting Britain. In fact, over half the population didn't want independence. Imagine that. Country was at war, and half the population was supporting the other side. Thomas Paine couldn't ignore this issue, and he addressed it head-on. In the very beginning of the book, right out of the start, the introduction to the book, he begins with a letter, and here's what he writes. He says, To my fellow Americans, not everyone will agree with the principles outlined in this book. That may be because things have been so wrong for so long that people have come to accept it as normal. Some people might be reluctant to accept these principles since it defies the normal. Eventually, however, the truth always prevails. What he's doing there is that he's acknowledging that there's this difference of opinion. And true to his style, he explains why. He says, look, I understand that people are looking at these things differently. And I understand that it's because it's been going on so long that, that people have come to accept it as normal. He's justifying the reasoning of the opposition. And that's key to opening a conversation so that people will have an open mind about what he's about to say. He doesn't point fingers. He's not blaming anybody. He justifies their reasoning as a means to create unity. And he says, look, I'm not attacking anybody. He says his argument is about principles, not about pointing fingers at people. He wrote this. He said, this book is about principles. Its purpose is not to attack or compliment any person or people. Wise and worthy people don't need a book to support their beliefs, and those who lack a sense of justice or are unfriendly will remain unconvinced until the pain of their decision changes their mind. 
What he's doing is he's appealing to the sense of good that every person has. He recognizes that people have different ways of looking at things. And then he appeals to their sense of justice, despite their different opinions. By doing that, he's using a powerful method to create unity, to bring people together. He's finding common ground in a desire for justice. He goes on to state that he's not affiliated with a political party. Political affiliation, he says, is immaterial to the message. That's fascinating. When you look at how things are communicated today, where we have this purposeful pitting of people against each other purely because of their political affiliation, there's so little attempt to understand the perspective of the other side. People just get ignored or shouted down. And the result of all that is the division that we see today. In today's political arguments, there is, there is no validation of the other side. We don't even seek understanding of the other side, let alone validate the, the way the other side is, is, is thinking. There's no desire to seek any common ground. We have this name calling and, and people given labels, whether it's fascist or racist or, or socialist or whatever the case might be. And we get all this finger pointing and it actually has the reversed impact because people get defensive. And when people get defensive, they become guarded. So instead of having an open mind, they actually work harder to defend their position. Thomas Paine wrote about this. He said, notwithstanding our wisdom, there is a visible weakness in the way we do some things that creates disagreement. The country's been divided before. Now, the country being divided today isn't some kind of a new phenomena. The country was very divided during the Civil War. Americans that were killing each other, we were so divided. But we don't say that the Civil War was fought because the country was divided. It was a matter of principle. One side wanted freedom. The other side wanted to preserve slavery. Thomas Paine, he understood this basic fundamental nature of division. He understood that people are divided over principle. The issue to deal with wasn't the division, it was the principle of the matter. There's always two sides to an argument. And there was two sides in the argument that, that he was making the case for. One wanting freedom and independence, the other one wanting safety and security that they perceived. The best chance of getting that was through unity with Britain. And he wrote on the issue of unity through a common cause. He said, this is not inflaming or exaggerating the matter, but trying to examine the situation from the perspective of those who've suffered. Otherwise, we are incapable of carrying out our social duties with proper appropriateness. I don't mean to point out horrors for provoking revenge, but to wake us up so that we can create a common goal. Britain and Europe don't have the power to conquer America. Unless we continue to postpone taking action and accept a lack of courage. So here we are again, fast forward 200 plus years, and the country is again very divided. How do we fix this problem? First thing to understand that there is no them. Who does it? Those Democrats, those Republicans, those liberals, those conservatives. There's no them. It's us. We have to begin the process, meaning you and I. It begins with the individual, and that starts with strength of character. Thomas Paine explained this very clearly. He said, when people depart from moral values, they tend to make poor decisions. It's evident from the way you have stayed out of this matter that politics is not your place. Whether or not you think of it as a jumble of good and bad put unwisely together, the conclusions that you've come to are unfair and unjust. See, this is why 
Strength of character is so important. Thomas Paine realized this, and he took action. He published a book about it. He took his case to the people. He didn't have a publisher. As a matter of fact, he might have been the, the first viral self-publisher was Thomas Paine. Imagine that. He knew there was a need to provide leadership in the form of well-reasoned argument. He didn't sit back complaining and pointing fingers. He took action. His strongest warning was to people who don't take a stand. He said it's the moderates because of their lack of careful consideration who will cause more harm to America than the other two kinds of men. He made two other points. Those two points are strength and unity being one and the sanctity of public service. This is very interesting. He said our strength lies in unity. He said regarding politicians, this is what he wrote, for any men elected in the future for this or some other similar purpose, I offer them the following experts from that wise observer on governments, Giacintio Dragonetti. In his treatise on virtues and rewards, he says, the job of politician consists of focusing on the true point of happiness and freedom. Those men would deserve the gratitude of ages who should discover a mode of government that contained the greatest sum of individual happiness with the least national expense. He's making this, the, the, the same call of unity through principle to political leaders. We don't see that today. Look at how we treat our politicians. Politicians and government leaders, whether, whether they're public servants or they're, or they're elected officials, whether they deserve it or not, they get morally crucified for everything they do and say. And we wonder why we don't have better leaders. Who would want to serve under these circumstances? At its core, common sense was about freedom and independence from Britain. But he, Thomas Paine also wanted peace, and he said it specifically. He said, our desire has remained consistent to find endless and uninterrupted peace. This is why we look beyond the burdens of today. He knew he was asking people to make a sacrifice. He reasoned this by saying, all that I have laid out will be difficult for some people to accept. But as with all other steps we have taken, the discomfort will eventually pass. In time, it will become comfortable. And when we have our independence, the country will be glad we did what needed to be done. There's a, a ton that I could say about logic and reason, common sense, critical thinking, these very broad terms, all very philosophical. There's a detailed outline of the whole philosophy in the book on common sense. I'm not going to get into that here, but there is one point worth mentioning, and it ties back to this philosophical reasoning. Throughout common sense, Thomas Paine explained why. He explained it with every point, and he did it in simple terms so people could understand. And this was very powerful. And look at what happens today. How many times do we hear politicians say, well, it's very complicated, as if the general public's too stupid to understand. This isn't the case. It's just that too many arguments have moved to a level of complexity that it doesn't make sense. It's impossible to support what we don't understand. Confusion creates conflict. Remember, wise men make complicated matters simple, and fools make simple matters complicated. These are the reasons common sense is still relevant today. It addresses the issue of division, it calls on the strength and character of, of the people and leaders, and it demonstrates logic and reason as the path to peaceful conflict resolution. 
These are timeless principles that are as important today as they've ever been. In the next podcast, I'm going to tell you how this series came about. I hope to see you there. Make it a great day.